depending on whenever you're listening to us. Well, welcome to WUM, which is Woe Unto Me. I'm Butch, and this is... And I'm Rod, and welcome to another episode of, as Butch just said, Woe Unto Me. Hope you're doing well, and hope your day is going fabulous. Yeah, we're excited to hop into Romans 8. We were in Romans 7 last time. For those of you that are really good with math, you'll be able to figure out, you know, after 7 comes 8. Um, but yeah, we're excited. This is a great chapter. Um, really super encouraging. I don't know about you, Rod, but this happens to be one of the most encouraging chapters in all of the Bible. Chapter 8? Yeah. You know, it really is. My only concern uh, is that most Christians don't believe it. We, I mean, we, we, we read it, and we, it, it's in our head, but do we internalize it so that it, it enters our heart and truly believe what Paul has said about God and his love for us? Man, way to put the pressure on here, brother, oh, right? No, no Before pressure. we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No, I like it, though. Oh, man. I like it. I like this kind of importance of taking a look at the scriptures and believing what God said. Because okay. I think you hit it on the head, though, Rod. That That's for all of us as believers, mm-hmm. right? There are certain things that we read and we know we should yeah. hold fast to it. Yeah. And then sometimes it just blows away with the wind, whether it's the world, the flesh, or the devil, or his little minions, or some distraction. Just or even our own experience. Grabs it. Yeah. yeah. The, or doesn't want to believe, like... I don't know if I want to believe there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ uh, Jesus. Yeah, and, how can that be true? Yeah, and this this beautiful ring of going all the way from being justified to being glorified. Mm-hmm. Those things that you're, I mean, that it's a whopper. And we'll dig in as we start reading more. But I think Amen. you hit it right. It's for us to internalize this and really believe it. Yeah, and you know we. Uh, a class I teach on Sunday nights, every other Sunday, we were talking about this very thing, about seeing God for who he is and taking what he has said about himself and our relationship at face value. And in Romans 8, it, I think it's, it's the same. We, we read it, especially at the end, but do we really believe it? Do we live our lives as though this is true and I believe that it's true? And it, 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 it's a, and it is reflected in how I live my life. And I think that's the question. But, you know, we left off last time in Chapter 7 on, on kind of a high note that even, we learned even though uh, the old man, the old nature is dead, we have an enemy that we have to wrestle with and fight with and scrap with, and that's this flesh, which has been trained, as I, I like to say, in the art of sinning. And my mind wants to, wants, to, wants to do what's pleasing to God, but my flesh wants to please itself. And there's this internal war. And Paul ends chapter 7, you know, wretched man that I am, verse 24, who will set me free from the body of this death? He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. And Jesus is the one that sets us free. And, and then Paul begins chapter 8, with, or this next paragraph, with therefore. <laughs> I'm sorry, not therefore. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wait, wait. Even though 
my mind and my flesh have this ongoing war day in and day out and sometimes the flesh wins and sometimes the spirit wins and sometimes the 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 the, the mind just loses and but yet there's no condemnation how can that be that's the beautiful mystery of all this right that god declares us righteous yeah. right so it's a it's a it's something done outside of us, and that's what's so hard to, to grasp, right? Because our human minds always want to find a way to take credit. Right, that's key. It's not what we do. It's what's been done for us. Yes. What yep, Jesus yep, yep, yep. Is, Yeah. That's why we can hold on to that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. But I was thinking about this earlier today. I'm like, you know what? This implies, though, that there is condemnation for some. And Paul talks about that in chapter 8. Oh, yeah. 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 There, there's, there's another side to that coin. Paul's going to mention that uh, here in this chapter. And there is a clear distinction between them. And I love how Paul starts right off the bat. Like, look, there. And I, I think we need that. When you read Romans 7, you need to hold on to something. Because it really is hard to not get wrapped up in that whole, well, I, I want to do this, but I don't. And then the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And the, yeah. that back and forth stuff that we do a lot mm -hmm. as Christians. Mm -hmm. And then usually you blow by the one verse at the very end of Romans 7. That's right. like, but yeah. God. And that, that yeah. constant reminder that we don't always remind ourselves of. That's true. So Paul starts off Romans A1 with this, right? There's yeah. no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. And, and this is how he did it. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the to the spirit. Hey man, you just said a mouthful. Oof. Yeah, and uh, I love Paul's declaration, the law of the spirit of life, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from that law of sin and death. That kind of harkens back to Romans chapter 6 where we are free from sin and we are free from this law that is in our members, from this, this law of sin and death. I, yeah, isn't it interesting how he even says, like, in order the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, right? Because so, yeah. so often when we think of doing deeds, uh -huh. it's what's done externally. Yep. And so that I think that's why we get wrapped up in this thing. Instead of realizing it's what's already done in us. Yes, we didn't do it. But that's happened inside of us. The, the yes. righteous requirement of the law was mm -hmm. fulfilled in in us not just on the cross uh -huh. which that's where it's easy to put it all the way out there onto yeah. the cross like oh that was jesus uh -huh. and it affected him and he rose and he did this and he did that yeah but he did all of that so that in order that all of that would happen within us yep so his righteousness is now our righteousness, our righteousness. sorry i cut you off no brother no just that was great I'm yeah his up. righteousness is now ours and it's not us, but it's what he's done for us. Um, and I love that. And I love what Paul says in verse 3. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. 
Now, what was the law supposed to do? It was supposed to it be, a, be a way of righteousness. But we realized we can't keep the law. And, if, you know, the Bible says if you, if you fail in one part of the law, you've broken it all. And so the flesh couldn't do it. But God did it. Sending, and I love this, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. You know, Jesus came, uh, he put on human flesh, and as an offering for sin. This reminds me of what John the Baptist says in John chapter 1. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is God's sacrifice. He is the offering that God has sent in our place. And it's just like, wow, thank you, Lord. And he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. He did it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the only way that the law was going to fulfill his righteousness. Right. The flesh was never going to be able to do it. It couldn't. <clears throat> We're it was later. impossible. Yeah. But that, that's typical, though, of human nature, right? Wanting to figure out, uh-huh. what must I do to be saved? Uh-huh. And that question is flawed. Yeah. All along. There's nothing you could do. Yeah. What do I have to do? Yeah. What must I do? Uh-huh. <laughs> Submit and trust that Jesus did it. Right Because you can't. Right on. And then here, we just get more confirmation. Uh-huh. How it's fulfilled in us, it's because of what Christ yeah. did. So if those of you who are listening, if you have those folks who come to your house on Saturday mornings and they knock on mm-hmm. your door and they have a little magazine called Awake or the Watchtower magazine that they want to come in your home and have a Bible study with you and talk about what their magazine says, realize this, that they're, they're working for their salvation. They, that's the doing that they feel they have to do in order to be saved. Why don't you, next time they come to your house, walk them through Romans chapter 8 and help them to see that Jesus, as the old hymn says, paid it all. And all to him I owe. He did it for us because we couldn't. And help them to see that. But brother, I love it. Can we continue? Yeah. yeah and verse 5, Paul continues, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And suddenly you've got these two groups of people. Um, you've got these uh, the first group, these folks who set their minds on the things of the flesh. They... They allow their flesh to be gratified. They allow their flesh to have its way. And you've got this other group whose mind is set on the spirit um, and, and who, are, who are worried about and uh, satisfying what the spirit wants to do. And so they want to satisfy and glorify the spirit. And you've got these two groups. And look at what Paul says. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. One mindset leads to death. We talked about those consequences, the separation from God. But another is life and peace. Real peace. Yeah, yeah. Not the world's peace. Not just the absence of war. Yeah. But a real, deep-seated... I don't even know how to put it into words. It's just so incredible when you think Uh that we have peace with God. Right, that you, that things are settled with him mm-hmm. and with you. Yeah, there's no longer this war between the two of us. That's true. That's true. We're not at war with him. He's not angry with us anymore. Mm-hmm. He's not 
none of this. No. And then I, I just think it's interesting how Paul goes on, for the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God. I think that highlights the when you're set on the spirit you have life and peace because mm-hmm. you're not hostile with right. god himself right because it, it doesn't submit to god's law when you're hostile towards him and indeed it cannot he says so those who are in the flesh cannot please god yeah don't miss that for it does not subject itself to the law of god for it is not even able to do so it doesn't even have the power or the ability to submit itself do you, you ever notice how easy it is for us to get frustrated with people that don't believe the way we believe? Uh-huh. And then when you read that line right here, that, that should help us. Yeah. That they cannot please God. They can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yet somehow mm-hmm. we want to take what we believe yep. on God's righteousness and the way we should show mercy and forgiveness and all this stuff. And then when you try to apply that to people that don't believe, mm-hmm. you're going to end up with this massive frustration. Like, why don't they see it? Well, their eyes are closed. Mm-hmm. Their yeah. hearts are closed off. Yeah. They can't please God. And, and that mindset, uh, Paul says, is hostile towards God. And it doesn't subject itself to it because it can't unless Christ does something in their life. Unless there's a, if I can say this, unless there's a heart change where Christ takes out that heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh, one that's sensitive and non-callous. And, uh, and it's, 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 it's the work of, of the Lord. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's pretty clear. It is. But, you know, there, there are some who believe that this is simply a choice men make and they make and go back and forth. And I've heard this espoused before, and, uh, but I think the scripture is clear. This, I think Paul is pretty clear. This is drawing very strong, it is. clear lines. No, absolutely. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's unclear. Yeah, and he encourages this church at Rome. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So if the, if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, then we are part of God's body. And he goes on the rest of verse 9. Yeah. Right? Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. I think that's pretty clear. If you have the Holy Spirit residing within you, you belong to Christ. If you don't, you don't. How do you tell? How do I know if I have the Holy Spirit living within me? How can I be sure? Is there some some sign? Is there something that will help me see whether I'm his or not? I think so, because I think if you if you read these next few verses <laughs> with the intent, I uh-huh. think it answers the question, right? So if, but if Christ is in you, mm-hmm. right? That's the way you're asking. How do I know? Like, but well, if yeah. Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who has raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I think that I think that you I think you know that he's in me. Uh-huh. I'm feeling conviction of when I do these things okay. and I shouldn't do them. Yeah. You feel the conviction that what I did is not is the flesh. It's right. not the spirit. Right? Jesus talks about that in John 14 and John 16. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's this this thing called fruit. 
where our lives look different than they were a month, a week, a year, two years ago. They, there's this change in us where we begin to act like Christ, sound like Christ. We show grace. We yeah. show forgiveness. Yeah. We show kindness, gentleness, meekness, patience, right? That's even the fruit of That's the Spirit. The yeah. 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 That you start displaying those things. Yeah, and people and people ought to be able to see that in you. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't slip up, that we don't sin, but it means that this is part of that sanctification process. It means that there, our lives ought to look different. And as you mentioned, there ought to be that conviction from the Spirit when we sin. Yeah, and I, I think even about the way we live, mm-hmm. not just the way we speak and mm-hmm. what goes on in our minds, but yeah. in verse 12 on, he does start to talk about this even more, like that very question you're asking. Mm-hmm. So yeah. then, brothers, we're debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. right? So now he's talking about how do we live then? Mm-hmm. If you say you're in Christ, then there's a way that you should be living. Right. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death <clears throat> the deeds of the body, you will live. So there's an implication here, mm-hmm. right, that we're going to put to death these deeds of the body. Mm-hmm. As much as we have that internal war, like I want to do, but I don't, and I right. do what I do, and I don't, right. that whole thing of Romans 7. Yeah. There's still the ultimate, the trajectory of where your life's headed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you're headed towards, I'm going to put these things to death, and I'm going to sin less, not yes. be sinless. Yes. But sin less. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's living according to the Spirit. Yeah. And you make that decision to sin less when you walk in the Spirit and let Him lead and guide us uh, and not give in to the flesh. Now, you are so right. And, and Paul, Paul kind of says in verse 14, he, he, he affirms this, for, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, for you have not received a spirit of slavery, and leading to fear again, which kind of harkens back to Romans chapter six, where Paul says we've been we've been freed from sin. Yeah. Um, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, "Abba, Father." So there's an intimate relationship now with God, the Father, when we are being led by the Spirit. When our minds are set on the things of the Spirit, it, the Spirit confirms that we are children of God, that there's this intimacy with God the Father and with God the Son and even with God the Holy Spirit. There's a new relationship there. Yeah, and he's a, he affirms it to us. Yes. Right? That, that's verse 16. Yeah. The yeah. Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So I would say if you're having doubts, yeah. am I saved? Am I not saved? then that is a perfect time for you to go to the Father yourself mm-hmm. and just confirm with Him. Yeah. Because this says that the Spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Yep. And if you're not having a, if you're not bearing witness uh-huh. that you're one of His children, that's a warning sign that Agreed. something's wrong. Agreed. Whether you're wrapped up in sin and so you don't feel like you're saved mm-hmm. and you're wrapped around the slavery of sin... Yeah. And you just need to be freed of that bondage. Yes. Or maybe you're not saved and you just you need to know. Mm-hmm. But that's God's job to let us know that we are saved. That's part of the assurance that Absolutely. he gives us. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. That we will know that we know him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I agree. And we're not just 
children of God, Paul says. And he says, if, and if children, verse 17, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So there's an inheritance um, that we have. Uh, I love this. If indeed we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. What? Oh, Wait, what? Here we go. <laughs> he just said the S yeah. word. Yeah. Suffer. Suffer. I thought, why did we suffer? I thought the Christian life was rainbows and puppy dog tails. I thought we got our best life now. Yeah. I've heard like, that somewhere before. We just asked for a G20 or whatever those uh, mm-hmm. private jets are. and Because uh-huh. you're a Christian, you get it. You know, well, Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. I hadn't asked for one, so. <laughs> We're being facetious, obviously. Yes. Um, I, I do think we the, the rest of this chapter does have quite a few implications around the suffering. Oh, it really does. And we do know from Peter's writings, right, mm-hmm. that all of us who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Yes. Not so might. This is, yeah, not might. Will. Will. And I honestly, Rod, I think that's mm-hmm. a big part of our problem in America, mm-hmm. is very few of us in America really get persecuted for yeah. our faith. We've lived this comfy, cushy little life where we go to church on Sunday. We can do and say whatever we want in our little Bible studies and whatever. We don't have any knocking on the door saying, yo, what are you guys doing? And we're the federal government. Right. This is illegal. Mm-hmm. You should not be doing this. Oh, it's coming. Yeah. But, you know, I love what Pastor Greg said yesterday. Um, this was Sunday morning. Uh, he said that the gospel is offensive and if people aren't being offended by the gospel, not that you're being offensive, but that the gospel that we preach and share is offensive, and if people aren't being offended, then maybe you're not preaching the gospel. Maybe it's a bloodless gospel that we're talking about. Yeah. We don't mention the cross, yeah. right, and the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Yeah, absolutely. Because that is offensive to those who are perishing. Mm-hmm. The preaching of the cross, it's yes. offensive. Yeah. But if you leave the cross out, maybe you could make it look all sweet and dandy. Yeah. Right? That you could have everything you want, just pray a prayer, just walk the aisle, mm-hmm. get dunked, you know, do a few alms, say some Hail Marys and rosaries and whatever, and you're all set. Yeah. But you will miss Jesus. And uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, without the blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And suffering is part of being a Christian. It is. Right? That it we're is. supposed to be bold enough to tell people the truth. Absolutely. With gentleness and respect, Peter says. Yeah, yeah. Not to be off offensive, but that the, the gospel that we share is an offense to the world, to those who are perishing. And this is coming from a dude who I, I don't know personally, have not read many stories of any Christian in history. Mm-hmm that has suffered more physically and emotionally yeah. than this dude did. Yeah, but you know, even uh, even before Paul was saved, uh, Jesus appeared to Ananias in Acts chapter 9 and said, you know, look, he's a chosen vessel of mine, um, and I'm, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer, suffer. for my name's sake. Yeah. He was, yeah, it was clear up front that there's a cost. Yes. Yeah, and there's a cost for us, especially today in light of our culture, in light of our society. And I'm not talking about around the world, just even here in America. There's a cost associated with sharing the gospel. And the world already hates us because of the abortion 
uh, ruling here just a few weeks back. Um, and so when we start talking about the cross and, and repentance and forgiveness, uh, you know, we're target number one because the enemy hates us. The world hates us because we identify with Jesus. But Paul gives us a really good word of encouragement, right? Doesn't here, he? Right? For I consider, it almost seems like a side note, yeah. provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with uh-huh. him. But right? look here. There's yeah. a reason. Yeah. But Look here, he would say. I would say. Yep. Uh-huh. But check this out, right? The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Yeah, that's spectacular when you think of it. Isn't it? When you think of the um, the Christians that have suffered and died for their faith mm-hmm. over the years, from from day one, mm-hmm. all of the apostles, yeah. all suffered and died for the gospel. Mm-hmm. S- straight up, were killed because of the gospel. And then many people, even some of our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. right now, that are dying for the gospel. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All that is not even going to compare. To the glory that be revealed to us someday. Yeah, yeah. Heaven is going to be so awesome that words can't explain it. And this, the suffering that we, we, we experience now won't even compare, Paul says. What's to, the life to come is going to be so amazing and so utterly fill in the blank that there are no words for it. It's going to be that incredible. And when he wipes away all the remembrance of suffering and sin yeah. and shame and guilt and all that stuff, when that is completely done away with and we have no memory of all of that, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I also think that this is so spectacular. The way Paul puts this together, uh-huh. it just blows my mind. As I was reading this again earlier today, right? thinking about how when he talks about the sufferings of the present time and this guy's going through a lot. Oh, yeah. Then all of a sudden he says these crazy words. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Well, hang on. So what does that mean? All of creation. Everything that God has made Uh got all discombobulated and turned upside down when Adam chose to sin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We did not have predators and prey. No. The animals lied down together. There was peace. There was harmony. There was none of this. There weren't, like, even there's plants that are carnivorous, right? We even have plants that eat animals, right. which is so wild when you think yeah. of the way. No thorns, no weeds, no thistles, yeah. crabgrass, and all this none other stuff this. that we fight with. Yeah. There weren't cactus needles. There weren't any no. of these things. It's a perfect environment. So, if you've ever been in the woods, which I know you have, Rod, you did it once or twice, you grew uh-huh. up in Arkansas, uh-huh. you go out there and you watch the animals, and yep. they are on high alert mm-hmm. 99% of the time. You're right. Because they're either being hunted uh-huh. or they're the hunter. Well, they go, hey, there's a man here, let's get out of here. Yeah, this run fear. for it. They're yeah. scared to death, usually, of human beings. Absolutely. So, when you... When I hear this, that the creation is groaning mm-hmm. and longing for the day when the sons of God are going to be revealed, meaning when he returns right. and sets the order back to the way it should have been. Yep. That's spectacular. Yeah. They want it back the way it was. So I don't have to be a little deer scared to death that a coyote mm-hmm. or a mountain lion or a wolf is going to chomp me down today. Yeah. 
I can live at peace. Yeah, you're right. And so our redemption means that creation gets redeeming, has the, has that pre-fall atmosphere, that pre-fall experience again where there's peace. Because as you know, in Genesis 3, uh, God said to Adam, cursed is the ground because of you. Yep. Um, both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you. And so creation's like, Paul says, it's, it's personified. Can't wait, groaning, looking for that hope to when we go back to that pre-fall state. All these like 10,000 years of this just turmoil yeah. in the oceans, in the air. I mean, there's mm-hmm. birds of prey. There's animals praying each other on the ground. Yeah. Earthquakes, volcanoes, tsunamis, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Everything's fighting, uh-huh. fighting against each other. Yeah. Trying to figure this whole thing out. And this ecosystem, he still somehow balances it out mm-hmm. to keep this going. But the, all of it, it's yes. all waiting yes. and longing for the day when Jesus comes back and makes it right. I'm yeah. like, that is so spectacular. But because of him who subjected it, verse 20, in hope, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So even creation is longing, for, as we said, for that time where back to how it's supposed to be. Gosh, he even says we know. I think this is interesting too. Paul just makes it clear. Like, yeah. hey, we know that the whole creation's been groaning, but do we? I don't know that we, this is talked about very often because that's why I get excited about this. Mm-hmm. I've not heard it very often in church where people talk about how all of creation's groaning yeah. and waiting, yeah. right? They're groaning together in the pains of childbirth yeah. until, wait, pains of childbirth until now. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, what imagery? You've got this, 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 this picture of a woman in labor uh, it's coming, don't know when, could be an hour, could be five minutes, could be 12 or 15 hours away, but I know it's coming, and there's this anticipation of it's, it's, it's coming, it's coming, don't know when. And that the suffering, I think it's so neat, because the suffering has an end result, the way he uses childbirth, yeah. right? It's not yeah. like the suffering where you're like, ah, where's this even going? Mm-hmm. This is pointless. Yeah. But childbirth... The pains of birth and birth pangs mm-hmm. are about the crescendo of a, be- a life is going to be out and yeah. breathing, and you get to hold the baby, right. and right. Right. That, but in this so, instance, it's going to be back to the way it was in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, when righteousness rules and reigns. Absolutely. Yeah, it's something to look forward to. I love what Paul says, verse twenty-three, and not only this, like, hey, there's more. Um, but but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. We're, we're waiting and groaning and hoping and looking forward to the return of our Lord. But are we? That's a good question. I am. But are we, and I get, I get what you're saying, are we so wrapped up in the world, are we so wrapped up in the now that we've forgotten about the it, hope that we have? It feels like we get wrapped up, and maybe I'll just speak personally, mm-hmm. I, I get wrapped up too much mm-hmm. in this whole thing of 
my 401k, my retirement, yeah. um, which I, I don't even know retirement's biblical. Mm-hmm. I don't see that in scripture, but that's an American thing, right? Yeah. Retire, get your social security, get mm-hmm. whatever, do this, these things. We have all these set goals mm-hmm. that we look forward to like crazy. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder sometimes, should we be longing much more for yeah. the adoption as sons? Yeah. And the eager expectation, like all of creation that's mm-hmm. groaning about, yeah. can't wait for you to come back, Lord. Yeah, we know you're coming. And be, be Ex- anticipating and waiting. And, right. Uh, because the, this, this hope that we have is Jesus is coming back for us. I had a professor in college, Rod, that I, he used to say this every darn morning, and it became very contagious. He would come in and he'd say, perhaps today, and if you've been in the class for more than a couple of days, you were uh-huh. like, yeah, maybe Jesus is coming back today. Uh-huh. But if it was your first day, you were like, perhaps today was. Yeah. And then people start whispering and they're like, he's talking about the Lord's return. Uh-huh. And you were uh-huh. like, how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. I may have to borrow that one Yeah, day. perhaps today. <laughs> uh-huh. Because right, verse 24, for in this hope we are saved. Yeah. Now hope that is not seen is not hope. I mean, hope that is seen is not hope. Mm-hmm. For he who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And I think that's key. We wait for it with patience or with, with perseverance. We wait eagerly for it. Yeah, perhaps today. Yeah, but, but if not... But, okay, I'm going to work because there's work to do, yeah. right? We need to serve. That's part of this thing. Uh-huh. It's part of the whole suffering it's part of it's the it's part, de- of, the part of the deal word, discipleship these, these package are dark, these are evil uh, people are getting worse and worse yeah they're calling yeah. good evil and evil good we yeah. see that in our country all over the place oh, yeah. if anybody's listening from outside our country it's probably happening in yours too uh-huh. yep we're twisting this all up we can't even figure out the definition of a male and female in our country nobody seems to want to define it that's in leadership or in the government which is odd yeah. But but we know why we do we know why um, there's a there's evil forces that yeah. are pressing an agenda uh-huh. yeah and it's not the first time that Satan has co-opted the culture to corrupt something that God has created and to counterfeit it and to bring it bring about confusion uh, so not not the first time won't be the last but not the first time no. uh uh-uh. um. Uh-huh. 26. 26. Uh, the Paul says, and in the same way, and I love this, uh, the, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And have you ever had a uh, something that you needed to pray about or someone you needed to pray for? And you just didn't know what to ask for, and you're kind of just, and you kind of just, mm, kind of that groaning because I don't know what to say. And the Spirit takes that mm, and translates that and makes it clear so that it's, oh, Father, this is what He's saying. This is what she's saying. And He intercedes for us. Uh, verse 27, and he who, he who searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
And so the Spirit intercedes when we really don't know what to say. We don't know the words to use. Because he knows our mind. Yeah, and it's interesting because it seems like those times when you have those groanings that Mm -hmm. are so deep and you're like, I don't, I'm just, my heart's aching for this person or this situation. Mm -hmm. And Lord, I have no idea what to pray for, but I know you do. Mm -hmm. And Paul says that that when the Spirit does that, he's, he's doing, he's interceding according to the will of God. Absolutely. And I think that's what's cool because it lets us be able to just go, I don't, I'm not, you're not always sure what the will of God is uh-huh. for someone else. Yes. You, there's lots of things in scriptures where it specifically says, this, this is, is the will, the will of, God. of God. Right. But some of these things on how to pray for someone, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't, we don't know. Yeah. Because you don't always know if they're saved, if they're not saved. Right. Right. Whether they're struggling or whether they're full of joy. Yeah. Um, through it and God's taking them through. But God knows. Yeah. And the Spirit of and God the Spirit knows. God prays for you. And he helps us in those prayers. Um, in verse 28, And we know that God causes some things to work together for good. Wow, you had a weird Bible. Yeah, sure Mine do, says brother. All things. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Let me clean my glasses. <laughs> and we know that, but I love this, God causes, God causes all things, those good experiences and those bad experiences, He causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so whatever might happen to us, whatever that situation might be good or bad, God uses that. God causes these things to work together for our good. We may not see it right away, but this is God at work in us. Yet he may never let us see it ever. Mm-hmm. We yeah. just these are one of these things we have to trust by faith. Yes. Right? Just what we started with today, where you're right. like, you know, this chapter is one of those that's heavy on your heart because mm-hmm. you're like, I mm-hmm. don't think we all live in this moment. Mm-hmm. And we don't. There's so many times when we yeah. don't really believe that God works everything together for our good if we really love him and we're called according to his purpose. So, true. so anybody who's a Christ follower, he's working out things in Nepal. And in Singapore and in, in China and in Globe, in, in Iran, Arizona, and everywhere else, yeah, he's working everything out that's going on there uh-huh. for the good of every single one of his believers. Absolutely, that's mind blowing. Yeah, but how how can God bring something good out of my car accident or you know my wife had a miscarriage? How can God bring get, get something good out of this? Yeah, or, my second son just died. Yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah, a parent that has to go to another child's funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to trust by faith that God is going to work something good out of this. Yeah, yeah, and God uses that in our own lives to do, to do what? Um, verse twenty-eight. Uh, verse twenty-nine. For him, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. God uses Mm -hmm. these things to make us more like Jesus. And it can be painful. It can be. But it brings us to our knees. It makes us realize we're, we're not the center of the universe, that we're not in control. 
and helps us to realize that he is in control and that we can't do this without him. We can't live life without him. We can't live a day without him, that we need him. Yeah, and him showing us the purpose here, right? It's being conformed to the image of his son. Yeah. In yeah. order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, right? He is, he's the firstborn of all of the church. That's right. right? Even though he's always existed. Uh-huh. And then he goes on. It's not just about being conformed to the image of his son, but it's also in those whom he predestined. He also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. If you notice, this is all past tense. It is, but you notice we don't we don't participate. We don't do anything. We here. did nothing. God does this. He did everything here. Yeah, he God. He does. went from us being predestined uh-huh. to being called to being justified, and all the way to being glorified. Yeah, and, this, and it's already this, yeah. done. Yeah, it's not us. So why are we fretting and worrying about stuff? Because I got to do something. I have to do something. Goes back to our conversation at the very beginning. Yeah, it says that whom he predestined, he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. God he didn't just pay it all. He did it all. He did it all. So then that hymn is really true. Jesus paid it all. All, all to, to him, him I owe. owe. Right? It's really true. He did it all for us because he loved us. And now we have an intimate relationship with God. We don't have to, have to cower in fear, but we can come before God's presence with confidence. Not cockiness, but with confidence. Yeah. Confidence in, in him. Yeah. And we talked about this in church. Not everybody who's listening was at our the mm-hmm. church that you and I go to. Mm-hmm. But that same thing. It's the cross, right, about what we boast in. Yeah. That's the confidence we have is that the work on the cross took care of all of this. The him foreknowing us, predestining us, calling us, justifying us, yes. and glorifying us. Yes. All of that was done because of him. Yes. Amen. Amen. And if I can just ride on your coattails... We've seen thus far that those who are in Christ Jesus are not condemned, that God gave us his spirit. And because we have the spirit of God living within us, we can set our minds on the things of the spirit and we can walk in the spirit and we can live in such a way that we please God because the spirit has freed us from the law of sin and the law of death. And we, we have this hope now that we are, we are heirs, we're fellow heirs with Christ. There's a reward for us. There's going to be this life and this peace that God has called us. He has predestined us. He has, he has justified us, and he's going to glorify us. And so God has done some amazing things for us. Now, back to our very first comment. This begs the question. Well, not, not begs the question, but Paul answered, asked this question. What shall we say to these things? <laughs> if God is for us, and Paul has demonstrated that God is indeed for us. If God is for us, who is against us? Uh, that's such a great question, right? It's the rhetorical, it is. obvious, yeah. 
nobody's really could could go against us. They try. Mm-hmm. The devil and his minions, the world, yeah. your neighbor might, your own flesh might. Uh-huh. But the way Paul's laying this out, like if if this is true and it is that those of us in Christ Jesus mm-hmm. are already all the way to being glorified, right? It's already done, right? So what does it even matter? Yeah. Now the battles in between uh, belong to Him. Yes. And He already won the war. Yep. Yep. Now it's just—it's almost just semantics. Mm-hmm. It is. I want—I just want to add, positionally in Christ, we're already glorified. Experientially, it's coming. Yeah. But positionally in Christ, we are seated with Him in heavenly places. We are—we've been justified. We and we are glorified positionally. Experientially, we're 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 on our way there. Um, but Paul just kind of says, so based on all of this, what I've just shared with you, who can be? Who's against us? You know. Um, for he, and I love this, for he he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? If God gave his best in order to save us, won't he continue to give us all things that we need? If he gave his best, everything else is... He's not, yeah, he's not holding out on us. Yeah, exactly. And that's the point. Contrary to what the devil has always tried to do. Oh, man. Did God really say, and come on, God's holding out on you. Yeah. Really? Well, he, you're going to be like him if you do. It's like, uh, yeah. no, we're not going to be like well, him. Well, you Satan, you know, Paul, Paul, Paul continues. Yeah. Who will bring a charge? In the verse, verse 33, who will bring a charge against God's elect? Well, Rod, you know, since you sinned the other day, you're really not worthy. Yeah. You're not as good as you think you are, or you thought you are. You're not really his child. Yeah. You, yeah. you can't have done that and say that you're his child. Yeah. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he. Who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Yeah, he's just chopping down every argument we Absolutely. have. Because we're trying to, because our flesh wants to go back to, yeah. I did something, or I'm going to do something, right. or I can't do it, mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like, no, he's just chopping away at every argument. Yeah, yeah. And it keeps going back to Jesus. Absolutely. Um and I love verse 35. Paul says, look, let me, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Who shall, you notice he says, he doesn't say what. Who? He says, who? Mm-hmm. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or, swore, or sword for just as it is written. I'm sorry, there's no for. Just as it is written. For thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered sheep to be slaughtered. It's true. But, verse 37, in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. There it is again. The war is won. It is. And the battle belongs to him. Yeah. So everything in between 
that's why we're more than conquerors. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, in one weird sense, it really doesn't matter what goes on in between here and there, right? Because we're already glorified. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I, there think is it, a, I think it does matter how we live our lives. How, how we do, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But the mindset, it, it's so easy for us to get in the trap of, I need to do this, mm-hmm. I need to do that, or I didn't do all these things and blah, blah, blah. Right. And then not realize, wait a minute, he's done all these things for us. He even created works for us to walk in them. Exactly. Not, not for salvation's sake. No. But no. for service. So yep. what if we trusted and just rested in that fact? And just walk by faith? Yeah. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, live your life by faith. Knowing that there's going to be persecution, but you can still, in the midst of all that, have peace. Yeah, because he he ends this with this: "For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus." Our Lord. Sounds like Paul covered all the bases. <laughs> Is there anything missing here that he didn't say, none of these things can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Now let's see. Nor any other created thing. So if I just in case I left something exactly, out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Everything outside of God angels, rules, has been created. So I think we're safe. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I think the church has a hard time believing this, that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. This goes right back to verse 1. Mm-hmm. There is no condemnation for those who yeah. are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. I think that the church has done a terrible job over mm-hmm. many years mm-hmm. Of condemning more than we have been of accepting. Yeah. Agreed. Accepting and holding people to that, that you made a profession of faith. Mm-hmm. And if you made a profession of faith, these are the things that are, this is how you should walk worthy. Mm-hmm. Not walk worthy to get saved, yeah. but walk, walk worthy, worthy. Because you are saved. Yes, be, yeah. because you are called to this now. Now you have the power to do this and bring glory to God instead of try to bring glory to yourself by saying, I did it yep. my way. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah, I love how he wraps this up in a tidy little bow, oh, yeah. even though there weren't chapters in here the way Paul mm-hmm. initially wrote it. But the way he's writing out the thoughts of this are yes. bracketed with, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, and then ending with, nothing can, nothing separate, you. can separate you from the love of God yeah. in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Do you believe that today is, is the question? Do you really believe that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can separate you from the love of God? It's a great question to end on. It is, and I think we need to wrestle with that. Because if you think there's something that will make God love you any less than he already does, I would encourage you to go back and and read the scripture again. If nothing else, reread chapter 8 and take notes of everything that Paul says. There is nothing that will separate us 
nothing created, seen or not seen, that will separate us from God's love. God loves you. Period. End of sentence. And his love for you won't ever change. Amen, brother. Period. End of sentence. Amen, brother. Right on. I think that's a great place to wrap it up today. Yeah, I I think this was good. So we're... We would love to interact. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at wm2guys at yahoo.com. We'd love to interact. If you have questions, thoughts, prayer requests, um, we'd love to hear if you got feedback for us, how we could do this better or more encouraging. Um, we're just too, literally, I hate to use the phrase, but it's sort of there. It's two two yahoos, uh-huh. you know, two beggars trying to find bread. Yep. And, That's right. And this is the bread of life. And we want to share it with you and we Amen. want to be encouraged by it ourselves. Absolutely. So drop us a line. Let us know how, how we're doing. And we'd like to hear, hear how you're doing and how we can pray for you and encourage you, encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. So until next time, uh, have an awesome day. And we'll talk with you shortly. Amen. Lord bless you. Oh, 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 oh,